Welcome to another Digineer podcast. This is part two of our duo of leading entrepreneurs. In this one, we want to focus on a few key areas, trust, culture value, and managing change. These are huge things that we deal with uh, both internally at Digineer as well as with our clients. And I'm super excited that Carly Hall is here to talk to us today and to share her thoughts with you. Uh, you may recognize Carly. She just knocked one of our webinars out of the park. And so we are super happy to have her on. Um, so Carly is a consultant. She has a background in consulting. Um, she works with Digineer currently in our OCM space. But as I look at Carly's resume and profile, one of the things that I would say is that she just enables organizations and people to work better together and to communicate better. Would you say that's accurate, Carly? I would say that's very accurate, yes. <laughs> we were actually just talking about our kids before this, so I would think sometimes she uses those techniques in the home as well. <laughs> it's a never-ending facilitation. That's awesome. All right, so three big topics I want to get into, and the first one, trust. Obviously huge. Core belief at Digineer is that you grant trust. And, you know, something I like to say to people as they come through the process is we're giving you the opportunity to lose it. Sure. <laughs> so you have it already. Uh, in a culture of entrepreneurialism um, is one that requires a lot of trust. Employees have to trust that their organization is capable of success and committed to the employees. And leadership has to trust its employees to truly own their, rule, their roles and responsibilities with accountability, uh, not just for those roles, but for the results that they produce. It goes even further when a consultant is working to earn the trust of a client who may only know them as a name and a price tag um, initially, to be honest. So for you, what are some things that both consulting companies and the consultants who work for them can do to build and improve trust with clients? Yeah, I think it's a great question. So the biggest thing for building trust is understanding that it takes time. So even though we run for Digineer, you know, we are strong believers of commitment-based management, mm -hmm. right? So we, we grant trust first. Um, but in the whole scheme of things, trust revolves around relationships. And so you need to be really consistent about showing up and mm -hmm. being honest and being supportive and dependable and making sure that you're doing that on a daily basis so that you actually are the role model, both as an employee or a consultant, and as the consulting company or the leader of the organization. Hmm. Would you say that trust, when it isn't there, it inhibits productivity? Greatly. Um, not only that, but I think there are other things that will certainly deteriorate, including morale. And I think just the culture in general will definitely start to decline. Um, there was a study that Sherm that Sherm had did uh, just a couple of years ago, where they were saying that when there is trust, employees are 23% more likely to offer ideas and solutions. Um, but on the flip side of that, the there was a study from Edelman Trust Barometer that said one in three don't trust their employer. Hmm. And so to see that, that huge gap and that huge um, disconnect I think is something, you know, that we need to think about when we are really trying to create and promote trust within an organization. 
That's interesting. Um, it almost sounds like coming into an organization um, as a consultant, it's almost like the assumption is that they don't trust you right now and that you have to be patient and deliver, which is weird because as committed as we are to CBM, recognizing that our clients don't do that. And when you see the fruits of the success that it has at Digineer, it has to be somewhat frustrating. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Speaking from the consulting side and being certainly on both sides of that table, it is... It's, it's a very different dynamic. Um, I was granted trust right out of the shoot working for Digineer. And then when you arrive on the client side, it's definitely not. It's not the same. It's not the same mindset. It's not the same mentality. And so as a consultant, I need to be able to show up just like I would for my Digineer, you know, colleagues and leaders as I would at the client. And so being able to be just as vulnerable and open and honest as I would with a client as I would at Digineer. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, it, it's crazy. I always define consulting as I talk to people, not always, most of the time, as it's like first day of school over and over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's a good way to put it, yes. Yeah, you have all eyes on you yep. and people want to see what you're about. Um, I went to a small school, small town, and so I, I always felt really bad for the new kids coming into the school because you have people who went to kindergarten together and we're now seniors and you're trying to come into that dynamic and in consulting it can be similar and even more so on the frustration part because you're just trying to do something good yes <laughs> very much so it reminds me of a 51st dates where you just keep showing up and they don't remember you and you keep having to you know make the effort and be the good person and do the work that's a good i'm gonna have to steal that one from you that's a the, to be honest the uh, first day of school is getting stale so. <laughs> there you go um Another uh, aspect of CBM is that authenticity part um, and a pillar. Trust is going to be a pillar of authenticity and openness. But um, as you mentioned, trust takes time. So as trust comes, that doesn't necessarily mean that openness will follow. They can trust you to deliver, but they may not be giving you the full picture or the full amount of components that are going into their actions. Um, so for you, how, how do you encourage openness as you're working to build trust? How do you encourage people to be open. Yeah. Openness is tricky, right? Because like you said, you might be dependable to produce certain work output, but that doesn't necessarily translate to you being open with your ideas or your personality or, you know, your strengths and talents. And so I would say certainly with openness, like building trust, it's going to be more of a daily practice. Right. So as if I am the leader or I am working with a client, I want to be able to continually ask for their input and actually listen. So there's certainly a difference between having a conversation and, you know, we're talking and I'm pretending to listen. Right. But really all I'm thinking about is how I want to comment back. And then you're losing what the other person is saying. And so if you can really engage in active listening, there is an element there that makes it seem like you care, and hopefully you do, mm -hmm. but that you are actually placing value on what the other person is saying. Mm -hmm. So those are the small things to sort of start that process, but then you're acknowledging that input as well. So you're not just, it's not just a face value, hey, we're going to have this conversation, I'm going to active listen, and then I'm going to drop it out. 
How can I, you know, give you credit for your ideas, maybe publicly or with the team? How can I, you know, come back around to remembering that you had an idea or, you know, something that you were sharing with me? How can I bring that back into the loop? So it's really creating more of a personal relationship. So you're engaging more on certainly a business level, but then can you also kind of deepen that engagement on a personal level too? See, and that's really interesting um, to active listen back. <laughs> what I'm hearing, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> what I'm hearing is it takes a, it, it takes weighing both the delivery as well as the relationship, and you're being patient in both areas um, with their perception of you, but also how you're trying to curate their perception of you and slow things down. Even if you feel you have the answer, even if you feel you know which way. It should, you should go or the project should go or wherever it's going. You're trying to build that credible relationship with them. So they, they trust you to listen and to come back to what they're saying, um, which is, which is crazy. And I, one of the things that shocked me when I came to Digineer is I used to recruit developers and now I recruit more people on the functional side and OCM, uh, was how closely the soft skills and the, the job skills align. Like they seem to run almost together at times. And I can't even tell you how many people have told me like, hey, you can be really smart, but if you can't build a relationship, you're gonna struggle, maybe even fail. Yes. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, right? Because that goes back to your you know, initial part of the conversation, right? Was that building trust? Mm-hmm. How are you gonna build that trust if you can't even remotely start to develop that relationship or listen or provide space for someone to be open. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because I think when I think of trust, I think of my relationships, you know, my, my wife, my, my kids, my friends, all that. And I never had to be necessarily intentional about creating that trust. It just kind of happened as we got to know each other. But when you throw into consulting or project work and you, you want people to trust you with something that could potentially have their job on the line, there's almost a level of tacticalness to it, which you're refining something that happens naturally a lot of the time. And all that to say, I'm happy I don't have to do that, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's definitely an interesting dynamic when you talk about that personal side of the relationships, right? Our spouses, our kids, um, almost the people that you're forced into relationship with or to stay and develop that relationship with versus people that, you know, you can choose to leave a job if you, you know, so choose and a lot easier than it would be, you know, on the personal relationship side. And so there's this odd element of needing to be able to, you know, provide very quickly some proof that you are dependable and that you are listening and that you're creating you know, value within the work that you're doing mm-hmm. to then establish. It's almost kind of that if then, mm-hmm. because otherwise, if you're not producing, we can say that we provide and grant trust right away. But at the end of the day, if you're, you know, if you as the one that needs to deliver are not showing up, mm-hmm. well, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I am giving myself the opportunity to lose Who's the trust. trust. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, I, I love that we touch on that. So this actually flows very well into the next topic of culture as a value add, which I, I do wish that there was a more potent focus on this in the market. You know, I never talk to anyone who doesn't value culture, but actually getting into it and quantifying 
its value, it seems almost more niche or to measure its values more niche. Um, and in consulting when done right, it's going to be a very relationship and network driven industry. However, the perception of many services based companies, industries can be very transactional. You know, you come in, deliver, then you leave. We're good to go. Um, a big challenge for consulting companies, service industries, and even candidates in the job market is that differentiation. At Digineer, I would say that our culture is probably one of our biggest differentiations and our commitment to CBM and authenticity and trust and things like that. What are some things that you would say consulting companies, leaders, consultants can do to get clients and the market in general to weigh the, the cultural impact provided rather than just the delivery? Yeah, it's it's something that's so important. And I think Digineer does a fantastic job in having more activities with the consultants and its leadership teams so that we can get together outside of our client work, mm -hmm. right? We have an event coming up in another week and it's exciting. It's like, oh, okay, now I get to, you know, I get to bring my plus one. We get to, you know, be together and do, you know, have a great evening together that I might not, you know, choose to do or have the opportunity to do on my own. Mm -hmm. And it creates additional inclusion. Because consultant can be very, very lonely, I guess, at times, right? Because you're coming into a client, you're already on the outside, to first day of school analogy yeah. again, you know, yeah. there are already these little pockets of, you know, groups, they already know how each other, you know, works and functions and everything else. And you're trying, you know, to get in there and to understand and learn, you know, how to, how to fit in and how to get your work done and in the most efficient time as possible. So it's, I think having those extra activities to engage, engage everybody has been huge from a engineer perspective. Yeah, I would agree on that. Um, and the, the part of the event coming up is our delayed Christmas party from COVID. <laughs> um, so uh, that should be a fun one. Um, and I, I, the thing I do appreciate about how Digineer does it as well, um, it isn't like they get you in a group with the people you're supposed to work with and just like war room it out, right? It's in the larger group of Digineer where you those relationships can be built very naturally. You don't feel like there's this pressure to like, hey, build this relationship. You can just kind of let it happen. Um, I thought of the event, our first in-person event we had in our all company meeting and just yeah. the energy in the room. And I sat with people at a table who one of them I'd spoken to before being at that event and just how fun it was to get to know them and just have that natural relationship grow, which is a ton of fun. And it, it does, it gets you excited. It gets you excited about work again and who you work for. And I, I love that we work at a company that does value that. Um, and I would say that consultants add value through, yes, providing solutions, executing training, and then moving on. You know, that's kind of the the nature of consulting, you're not there to solve problems that don't exist. <laughs> um, what do you think are some things consultants can do to ensure that that cultural impact outlasts their presence? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a challenging one, right? Because as a consultant, you need to be able to adapt to the culture that you're going into. And so oftentimes it's at least comparative to engineer it might be a lesser culture, right? Mm -hmm. And so 
that bar might be pretty low. So, you know, you might, there might be some low hanging fruit in terms of just encouraging the people that you work with on how to work better together. And, you know, again, this is from my OCM lens, how you're going to communicate better, how you're going to work more effectively as a team so that they can take those ideas and then implement that after you're gone. However, if you're coming into an equal or, you know, I haven't been to a, you know, client or another company that's had a higher culture yet, but if, as an equal one, it's, it's maintaining that culture. It's not being a roadblock to the existing culture. You're trying to stay out of the way and also get, you know, your work done at the same time so that that well-oiled machine for culture can maintain itself. Because it's really easy to have culture kind of fall off the rails. If it's mm-hmm. something that as an employee or a consultant, if there's something that you don't like, um, it's really easy to kind of get into this, uh, I guess, you know, fall down the rabbit hole of, you know, gossip or complaining without solution and, you know, all of the grit that yeah. we talk about with, <laughs> yep. with commitment-based management. <laughs> where it can you can really start to plant some really poisonous seeds that's interesting and honestly a way i never thought about it uh, i working internally at digineer you know it's i'm like we're a unicorn we're better than everyone <laughs> that's how I feel. Yep. and uh seeing how you say you know if you come into a culture that is a strong culture as a consultant having the self-awareness not to be a wrench in it mm-hmm. um is super super interesting to me uh I guess, how do you stay out of the way, right? OCM, when I describe it from a million feet up, it's like, you're, it's mass behavior change, right? You're trying to get people bought in. Um, but if you're doing OCM with a company that has a strong culture, how do you stay out of the way and play a less active role um, in that culture? Sure. So within a strong culture and you're coming in from an OCM perspective to you know impact or influence some change, that change, right, that organization is still going to change continually. That's, it, it's one of those things that is always going to be. And the thing is that we need to try to remember is from an OCM perspective, you're there to try to ask a ton of questions, coach and listen. And then you're obviously formulating your plans on the back end. But there's a higher level of emotional intelligence there to see that things are really working well. And how can we apply what's working well to this upcoming change? So you're starting to, you know, have additional conversations with people. And there might be people even within a really great culture that are struggling with this one particular change. Might not be the organization as a whole. It might just be the place that they're holding in their life right now. So then how can you walk them through that? And or if you know that things are going well, it might not be such an in-depth plan for adoption because they might be again, kind of this well-oiled machine of we adopt, this is what we do and we move forward and you know, we just, we just move on. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Your job might be easy. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Certainly easier. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I love how you're touching on that, that even strong cultures can struggle with change and that culture can be so fragile. Um, and there's a part of this. So in our third topic, embracing change, actually, I spoke to Mia Earhart about this earlier today in our first part of this podcast. 
um, and just about change, innovation, embracing failure, um, learning, and so on. Um, I don't think anyone would disagree that change is not only difficult, uh, particularly organizational change, but having the ability to manage change is crit critical to success for an organization. In consulting, it's not only the problems and solutions that change, it's the clients, the role, teams, and even uh, the tools that you work with. I, I spoke to someone and I spoke to me about this as well. They're a WebEx expert and then their company went to Teams. Right. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> that part and of their skill set was rendered obsolete. <laughs> um, so what are some things that uh, leaders can do uh, to not only prepare people for change or to prepare themselves for change, um, but to make sure that their, their culture is one that embraces it. Yeah. It's really going to start with the leader and the culture. So if you as a leader are setting a culture and an expectation that all individuals need to definitely do a lot of self-care and take care of themselves and have balance between, you know, life outside of work and work. And when they're not at work, they're, you know, again, taking care of themselves in a way that's unique and custom for them. So maybe it's, you know, additional exercise, or maybe it's more reading or more vacation or, you know, whatever that piece is that really replenishes the person, that that's actually supported, that it's not just something that you talk about. Hmm. Um, I've been in other organizations previously where they were, you know, saying we're big on work-life balance, but I need to be able to get a hold of you at any and all hours. And I need you to not, you know, take off early to go to your, you know, son's basketball game or, you know, what have you. And so the words weren't matching the actions. Mm -hmm. And so as an organization and as a leader, you need to be able to model that you too can shut off your phone <laughs> and not need something, you know, in the middle of the night and, you know, what have you, and then give that give that space and give that kind of role model to your employees. And then as an employee, you need to be taking care of yourself, period. Mm -hmm. And if you're finding that you're out of balance, then you need to be able to talk to somebody about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the best things that I love about Digineer is that they've said from the very beginning, hey, we, we are, we're really open. We want you to come and talk to us and, you know, bring, bring your problems, bring your solutions, bring all of those things. And that's been a new thing for me. I've had to be very vulnerable a couple of times with things that really weren't big deals, <laughs> you know, in theory, right? But I built them up to like, I would never have talked to anybody about this in my previous, you know, employment. And so to have, to have that space is great, right? Because then I'm open, we can, you know, I can handle change a lot more effectively and it's great. There are two things you touched on there that just kind of got my brain rolling. Um, the first one, me and I also talked about that openness aspect of, uh, I've heard it a million times at Digineer, I assume everyone has, the raise your hand, right? It was, I can't even tell you, if I had a nickel for every time I heard that, I wouldn't have to work here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, Digineer is very big. Another th way I describe it to candidates is it's our open door requirement, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's not just yes. a policy. It's not just invited, it's expected. Um, and then on the other side of it, I, I kind of piecing the string together of how you manage, how employees manage themselves during change. 
and uh, kind of a layered thing, but it goes back to that relationship and trust that we talked about in that first yes. topic, how it's, you have to actually listen. You have to know what might overwhelm them, what, when they might need a break. You need to be able to read those signs as a leader and initiate those conversations mm-hmm. where people feel they can open up. Uh, something I tell people at Digineer is this is the only place I've ever worked at where my boss put in a formal request that I take significant time off to refresh my batteries. (laughs) (laughs) Never experienced that anywhere else, right? Mm -hmm. Especially recruiting is so production-based, right? It's not there. I love that Digineer values my desire to innovate and things like that. But if you just look at my job description, it's a very production-based job and they're telling me to take time off to recharge which for me, it was just super exciting to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, back to the change part. Uh, it can come yeah. very quickly um, and adaptability is crucial. I liken consulting to entrepreneurialism a lot because you're coming in to solve problems for clients. It's a very, you're on the market, right? You are mar- uh, solving problems that are going on in the market and then moving on and you need to have buyers here. So a consultant told me once, everyone's in sales. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> you have to be able to switch and adapt and all that. Um, and what a company has entrepreneurial thinkers. I know I've experienced it being feeling that eagerness to dive in and to move things in any number of directions, right? And there is a maturity to innovation um, where it comes, not just you being ready for it, but the people around you being ready for it, the infrastructure being ready for it. What advice would you give leaders for channeling that energy and sense of ownership into appropriate avenues without removing or crushing any ambition. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we call it the stallion and pony effect. (laughs) Um, It's because it can be devastating to someone's employment when they're continually being held back, Mm -hmm. right? When they are the stallion amongst the ponies. And it's, it can create a lot of frustration and a lot of bitterness and animosity. And you certainly don't want to do that if you can (laughs) obviously avoid it. But, um, Part of speaking from experience, when I'm bringing things to the table that are further ahead than the organization, um, I am hoping that when I do that for, you know, to a leader, that the leader is going to help me identify and try to eliminate roadblocks. Because my idea is going to be, if it's too far forward, there are going to be some things that are going to have to happen in order for us as an organization or me as an individual to reach that goal. Mm -hmm. It's still possible, but there are things that are going to have to happen in order for us or myself to reach that. Mm -hmm. So let's talk through it. What are those things? You know, and that provides the leader an opportunity to explain current state Mm -hmm. and then, you know, kind of blow that out to the hundred thousand, you know, foot view of, this is certainly where it could be and where we're going. And this is current. This is what we, this is the, you know, miles of road that we are going to have to travel in order to get to where, you know, your idea is. Mm-hmm. On top of that, it's sort of a little bit of the sandwich effect, right? So we are, we're saying, you know, we're praising you for the, the solution or the idea that you're bringing. We're talking about current state and then where we need to go to get there. And then coming back around with how can you encourage this person to keep, to keep thinking, you know, is it something that they just have this continuation of just 
idea output. Mm -hmm. So maybe once a month, they are just able to share all of those ideas to a team, to the leader, to whomever, so that they're actually feeling heard. Mm -hmm. That that energy that is, you know, continually cranking in their mind actually has it lands on it lands somewhere yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> um and then you know if not so let's just say the idea i mean is really so far out there you're still encouraging as the leader too it's my responsibility to keep my eyes open for things that might need to be stretched so let's say i come across an idea hey i remember that you know zach had wanted to do this to do this thing maybe he's the person that could actually stretch this and blow these ideas out to then possibly get to, you know, said solution. Mm -hmm. So when you have, when you have those strengths and talents of creating ideas or being so forward thinking, there's use for that. You just need to be able to channel it appropriately so that you aren't squashing that ambition. For sure. Yeah. And I think so like, hearing a big part of one is just transparency, right? Allowing them to kind of see yes. where the organization is, allowing them, you know, good or bad, allowing them to see what is appropriate to see, to understand the why we, you may want to pursue it right now, maybe put it on the back burner, you know, allowing them to prioritize it mm -hmm. from there. Um, and then going back to just the listening and relationship building, getting to know them and structuring it in a way where there is a place for them to, have that sandbox, right? I, I talked to Mia as well about innovation and how to build it. And something she stressed was like, have a sandbox where they can play, bring them along for the ride. So people can feel that and see that. I, I touched on what I felt at Digineer where, you know, sometimes ideas just come to me at random times. And so I have a couple of people here at Digineer who I would just start pinging <laughs> hey, sure. this. And sometimes it was great thought. We're, we're actually already doing that. <laughs> <laughs> no. It was this um, way where it didn't stop there. It was, if you want to look more into it, here's some resources. So I always felt like I had an enablement to a direction on things if I wanted to pursue them. This podcast is one of them. Where it was, hey, I heard we have a podcast. That sounds interesting to me. And with a, a little chasing, all of a sudden it becomes a reality where it's this fun other thing I can do, which is awesome. Um, but that was my last question for you. So I actually ended my last one with a bonus question to Mia that I'd like to ask for you as well. Having a culture that embraces an entrepreneurial spirit, is that beneficial in like a hard line, dollars and cents, traceable kind of way? Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, any of these qualitative things like trust and, and culture and everything that we have talked about today absolutely come down to the bottom line. You know, there have been many studies that have easily quantified into the billions of dollars lost from, you know, low productivity to low morale, you know, all of those things you can you can take and and quantify. And I think it's it's unfortunate that other organizations will have this type of data and still will think that they are outside of of that scope and that that wouldn't apply to them. 
you know, small, medium, large businesses are all the same in terms of needing to have employees that feel valued and want to be able to do good work for you. And if they don't want to do that, then they won't. And if they stay and you continue to hire similar people, then you have a really huge problem there, right? And you're going to see it one way or the other. <laughs> so, so, you know, I think that's what I love about, you know, Digineer 2 and that hiring process is that wanting diverse but like-minded people that want to, you know, be a valued member of the team and produce, you know, solid, intelligent work and at the end of the day still be a part of something even though you're consulting and kind of on your own sometimes at a client. That's awesome. The billions with a B made my eyes yes. open. <laughs> it's a big number. That is craziness. Uh, Carly, thank you so much for being on uh, again. Digineer podcast. This is Leading Entrepreneurialism. Carly Hall is our guest, uh, consultant at Digineer. Awesome OCM person. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.